Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder of Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Welcome to this week's episode of Dig In. Today, I'm joined by Joe Lyons Rising, who's the founder at Data Gives Back. I'm so excited to dive into some questions with Joe. He spent decades working in research at some of the world's biggest CPG companies. Um, at the onset of the pandemic, he decided he wanted to venture out on his own, uh, leaning on his passion for coaching and learning to help insights teams leverage research as effectively as possible. So we're checking in with Joe a year on, um, gonna find out how everything's been going, where he sees the research industry going. Um, he'll talk a little bit about the quantifiable but also kind of intangible benefits of coaching uh, and where his clients are seeing the most value in their work with him. So Joe, without further ado, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on the show today, Megan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really excited to have a have a chat. Do you mind, just for any of the listeners who haven't heard of Data Gives Back, do you mind telling us a little bit about your experience in research, I guess, first and foremost, and then a little bit about your business? Definitely. So I've been in this specialized area of, you're mentioning of CPG, or for those that don't know the acronym, the Consumer Packaged Goods Industry in Canada, uh, for almost 17 years now. And it's this really interesting business intelligence piece of market research, uh, what's typically called category management. Um, but really it's, you know, how can you leverage data uh, to build stories and, and excel, accelerate your business primarily through retailers or increase your decision-making internally using data. Uh, so it's, it's been quite the ride, really seeing the industry change so much in almost two decades. And um, yeah, a, a year ago, decided to make a pretty big career change, an exciting one, uh, it, despite the fact it was through COVID. And I left my role of Director of Insights and decided to launch a very unique social enterprise called Data Gives Back. And it, it really focuses on insights coaching and analytic consulting, but the kind of unique pieces I'm doing it with a cause, which I think we'll maybe chat about a little bit more later on about what that cause is. You know, we we kind of touched on it. So onset of the pandemic, you decide to go out on your own. What really led you to to make that big leap? So was there anything in the industry that was going on? Um, did you think it was really right for coaching? Was it just a personal decision? I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. I would say it's a mix of both, to be honest. Um, this is actually my second business. I had my first business right out of university. I started a business in fourth year at, at uh, Wilfrid Laurier in Waterloo with two of my buddies. And we started meeting at you know, coffee shops on the weekends. And we launched a, a, a sales and marketing company. Um, didn't work out the way we wanted to, but I had that entrepreneurial bug. Uh, I do come from a pretty strong entrepreneurial family. My, my grandfather started Tender Tootsies, which started back in World War II. And today, you're still seeing Tender Tootsies listed at Walmart, other stores. 
you'd also see those Tootsie's retail stores. Uh, so I grew up in this very entrepreneurial family. Uh, and so through my career, I always thought maybe one day I could have my own shop, have my own consulting and coaching company. I couldn't really predict that it would happen through a pandemic that I would decide to do it. And I thought I might do it maybe in five or 10 years, maybe when I like kind of semi-retire or slow, slow things down a little bit. But the pandemic, you know, I think for a lot of people, it reminded us what our priorities were. For me, it was all about my family and my core values. And so I did want to find a way I could be home, you know, having a, a home-based business through the pandemic, which has proven to be very long. And um, also do something where I can kind of give back and, and do something that I think that um, has a bit more meaning to it at the end of the day. Switching gears a little bit, we had previously chatted a little bit about what's impacting businesses or specifically CPG businesses right now. And you'd kind of highlighted two main things, so shopping behavior and inflation. I was wondering if you could talk me through a little bit about the changes that you're seeing in shopping behavior within the CPG market. So I, I've said it uh, a few times uh, to some people that I mean, we basically saw the largest change in you know, shopping behavior and consumer behavior since World War II, right? So just like a ridiculously drastic change. Um, and we're now, you know, lapping that big peak of sales and like that initial panic loading and panic buying in March, 2020. So there's a lot of really interesting data points that are coming out of it. Um, you know, there were categories that saw historical growth, like the baking category, for example, right? And the amount of people that learned how to, you know, bake bread at home. Um, again, something we haven't seen in decades. But I think that there's something beyond that where it even brought families closer together because families really had to rally together and literally be in the same space together for a very long time. Um, but food, it, it changed the role of food in the, fam in the, in the household, right? So um, I see that a lot of those behaviors kind of staying, right? Because families kind of weathered the storm together um, there's a lot of questions around things like e-commerce, e-commerce, you know, that was a, a big change, a lot of that out of necessity. Um, and so, yes, definitely e-commerce has grown probably five years within a year. Um, we accelerated in Canada. Um, but I do think that there are other behaviors where people have had a bit more time, right, to prepare foods at home, to um to follow recipes and things where before we were always driving, going through drive-throughs and, and doing the quickest, most convenient things. So I think that that's actually a positive thing. I think it's a positive thing for our society uh, to slow things down a little bit, take time to, uh, to cook and, and to teach our children to cook. And I love that. I love that it, it can, there is sort of a silver lining to the fact that we were mm. all kind of stuck in our homes um, it's, it's a nice perspective to have on it. It's, it's a very timely topic. Uh, there's a lot of research and news articles coming out right now. Uh, many industry experts have been saying for months, 
that we're heading into the really historic inflation, like the amount of change in, in one year. And um, there's a number of, of things contributing to it because of demand is so high right now for um, a lot of, you know, retail items being shipped at home, you know, um, and products being imported from other countries. It's, there's been a lot of challenges. Supply chain, global supply chain is, has been top, top of mind for pretty much all industries uh, that, that produce products. So those costs have skyrocketed and they're not really planning to come down anytime soon. Because um, there's also labor challenges in many countries still with, with COVID, right? So there's, there's still many countries that are battling COVID. Uh, it's tough to get certain individuals and plants and things. These are all added costs and it's not just the CPG industry. So we haven't um, quite seen the impact to consumer behavior yet. Um, you know, it takes a bit of time for those cost pressures to then um, convert into increased prices at shelf or at restaurants. We are seeing them, but we're going to be seeing them a lot more than we probably have in the past decade for sure. So we're now kind of forward looking to see, you know, what is that going to look like, right? So it, it's funny because maybe it ties back to all these cooking at home skills right? Cooking from scratch and, and following recipes could be a way at some point for consumers to, to uh, um, balance out some of the price increases coming forward. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, but regardless, we're going to be seeing, you know, price pressure, price increases uh, from, I would say, majority of products in a, in a grocery and drugstore. I think without further ado, I think we should talk about what it is you want to, that you're giving back to. So talk to us about how Data Gives Back is a social enterprise. The organization, the charitable organization that Data Gives Back is uh, solely supporting is a very unique charity called Season Center for Grieving Children. Uh, it is based in Barrie, Ontario, where I, where I grew up. And it's all about helping children, teens, and families manage the journey of grief. So it's not something people talk about too much. Um, but for me, it, it was very, um, very important. Very important to me. I, I lost my parents in the, uh, in the 80s, but before Season Center opened up in 1995. So when I look back, I know that Season Center would have been like the perfect place for myself and my siblings to go and get help and, and get peer peer support. And so um, it just kind of was a natural fit for me, to be honest. It was it, it made me think of me being that younger kid in the 80s and helping those children out now at Seasons, especially through COVID. Grieving through COVID is different. It's, it's additionally hard. You can't physically be with your family and friends. So I uh, decided right from the get-go when I launched Data Gives Back that working with Season Center was going to be the perfect fit. And so we decided to donate 25% of the, of the gross revenue to Season Center every month. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it was really cool when we initially chatted to, to learn about that. And that's a pretty big chunk of change um so 
you're a good person. There's a bit of an irony thing too. The 25%, I have to say, I'm a data person. I didn't do some big, long calculation about it. Mm. I just told my wife one day, I want to be impactful. And um, I want it to be gross revenue because I don't want kind of any funny math being done on the bottom line. I want my clients knowing that whatever they invest in my services, 25% of that, that amount goes right to the charity. What kinds of work, if we look at data gives back and the types of coaching work that you're doing, what kind of work are you traditionally helping insights teams or category teams with? Yeah. So at the root of my coaching is around, you know, category management and data analytics in the CPG industry. And it's, it's kind of one of those things where because data has just absolutely exploded, right? We're, we're working through and living in this fourth industrial revolution. That's all based on data. It's more, uh, more valuable than, than oil. And it just continues to grow and grow. But for many of us that have kind of lived through the industry um, and maybe not have kept up as much, it's like you have to learn a new language, right? There's this language of, of data and, and information. And now it's just coming at you at the speed of light. So I'm helping them build the foundations of, of how you, you know, analyze these different data types in the consumer packaged goods industry. How do you make sense of it? How do you put it into action? So at the end of the day, you could buy all the data in the world, but if you don't know how to action it into growing sales or growing profit, it's not really going to do a lot for your business. And how do you approach the, the coaching? Was, uh, like, is it lessons? Like, is it really hands-on? Um, talk to us about your kind of philosophy around that. So I built my business really to be, you know, pandemic proof. That's the one advantage I have of building a business through the COVID-19 pandemic. So it, so far it's been 100% online. Um, typically it's two hour sessions and over Zoom and we're going through, um, yeah, training modules. So we have different topics by different modules. By going through um, online, there are some neat things we can do in terms of like uh, going through, you know, different like Excel training skills and things like that. So it's not that different than you might have in a face-to-face training where you'd have your computer anyways. But the, the one thing I would say that's unique is that because it's all virtual, as a coach, you always need to be checking in with people. People can have their cameras off, people can be on mute. You have to be checking in. Uh, with with people, making sure that they're picking up uh, the learning and that no one's you know too shy to ask a question. I mean, I've done a few training courses or modules throughout the pandemic, and there's such a difference between the ones that are run really well and those that you know maybe haven't adapted to the fact that things have gone virtual because there are differences like the one that you've just, you've just spoken about. I mean, the fact that you're approaching your business um, to be COVID proof, how do you think you approach 
coaching? I think there's a, f- a few things. One is that I'm very big on relationships. Because of that, my, my class sizes are very small. Typically, it's a maximum of, of 10 people. And um, I'm eager to build a relationship with every person in the class. So that's during the session, but I also make a, a, a very conscious effort afterwards, right? To check in. Um, some of those relationships have actually evolved into me helping individuals get new jobs, right? So if, if there's many people that are taking my, my courses to increase their skill sets to get new positions. And so I've kept these relationships built. That's nothing I haven't really experienced other training courses before. So to me, it's about relationships first. And the other piece I would say is unique is that um, because I'm a social enterprise and I'm a big advocate for mental health, I speak about that in my courses. It's super rare to go to an Excel course and hear me talking about how learning Excel is hopefully going to help reduce your stress and, and, you know, make your mental health um, better, right? Same with, with going through data. So I think those are a few different things I haven't seen before. Yeah. Do you feel like this type of, this is a bit of a leading question, but do you feel like this type of coaching for you know, people who do need to become more data literate and know how to action the data. Do you think that this is you know, going off on your own? Maybe it, it's very well-timed given the added sort of stress on people's mental health right now or um, you know, the added pressure of being home. Like I'm just thinking about how there might be some correlation between how nice it is to kind of have these training modules that give you concrete ways of handling your stress if that's a part of your day-to-day yeah that's actually I really like the way that you've kind of framed that up and um I I do talk about that that my goal is to make their lives less stressful right their their day-to-day lives less stressful so hopefully what that means is that let's say they go through um like my level one or level two Excel training courses, they might have saved themselves a couple hours that week from getting frustrated through Excel. So that's a couple of hours they might be able to spend not working and working, you know, doing things other in, the, in their lives or things that they enjoy more. So yeah. the other piece, yeah. And, and, and I typically tell, um, you know, my clients when I have assignments, I'm not going to be on you hard about, de- about deadlines because I know how aggressive uh, deadlines are in our industry. I've been in, I've been in their shoes for so long. So um, I want to always make it into a positive mental health experience and, and never a stressful or, or, or a negative one. Yeah. Um, that was definitely not a fully formed thought, <laughs> but it was just, as you were talking about it, I mean, I think people often associate training or learning with, you know, added that you can associate it maybe in the past with added stress. So like another thing that you have to do, but in actual fact, yours or the, the way that you're approaching your training is kind of relieving some of that stress, which is just really nice to see given, you know, we just did a, a big piece of research on 
the state of people's mental health right now and how people are feeling. And it's a really hard time. Um, not to be super down in the dumps, but you know, it's just the, it's just the truth. We're almost at time. I'm going to finish with a couple of questions that are more geared towards uh, your business. You know, what's coming next with Data Gives Back? What can we, you know, what, what will we see you chatting about on LinkedIn? Um, any new courses that you're launching? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, we've been working quite a bit for a level two uh, course that we're, we're running. It's starting uh, January, 2022. And this is going to be a real focus on, you know, analysts and managers in the CPG industry that are looking to really get that expertise in storytelling, um, different, um, different skills for like shopper insights and quantitative, qualitative research um, application in CPG, but even soft skills like presentation skills and communication skills which are just as important as those hard, hard skills. So I'm very excited about that coming up uh, this winter. Awesome. Um, and where can people find you? So our website is datagivesback.com. You can find us on there. Um, but I would say I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. That's kind of, to me, of a virtual company. I'm, that's my storefront. So if you can find me at Joe Lyons Rising on LinkedIn, and I love having great open conversations about what's happening in the industry, but also around mental health. And I call it mental wealth. Amazing. Thank you so much, Joe. Um, we'll be sure to include a link to Data Gives Back in the episode and chat to you soon. Excellent. Thanks so much, Megan. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.